1: Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the Library Science Channel of New Books Network. Today, I am joined by Lydia Zvagenseva and Mary Greenshields, editors of Land in Libraries, toward a materialist conception of education. Land in Libraries was published by Library Juice Press in November 2023. The question of land is largely absent in libraries. But, deeply committed to the neoliberal project as a guiding ideology of the profession, libraries exist at once as a historical, a theoretical, and landless institutions in their understanding of themselves, their work, and their impact on people. Land in Libraries seeks to contribute to the growing body of work on libraries and the Anthropocene, decolonization, and climate change through writing in theory and practice. This book centers land as a foundational category underpinning social relations as a necessity for the function and reproduction of capitalism and as a place where we work and learn together. Lydia Zwagintseva is head of digital scholarship services at the University of Alberta, and Mary Greenshields is a librarian and doctoral student based in Florence, Italy. Lydia and Mary, welcome to New Books Network. And before we dive into talking about this book that you've worked on together, I would love if you could each introduce yourselves. And since the book that we'll be talking about is about land, maybe you could share something about the land you consider home and the land you live on now and the
2: work that you do there. Um, do you want to go first? Mary, go for it. <laughs> Hi, thanks. Yes, thanks, Jen. Uh, thanks for having us here today. Um, so. Yes, you ask about the land I consider home. I guess Canada is the land I consider home, what we call Canada, what is known as Canada. Um, I was born and partially raised in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and uh, spent quite a bit of time in Alberta. I've lived in a lot of different places in Canada, so I've seen quite a bit of land, uh, including in the Arctic. And I am currently, yes, living in Florence, Italy, and the work I do here, as you mentioned, I am slowly working my way through a PhD. Um, And I'm also the teaching and learning librarian at the European University Institute, um, which is a doctoral and postgraduate institution in um, Florence, Italy, as far as the land here goes I'm just starting to develop a connection trying to figure out you know what the animals are that I'm seeing and what the plants are and things like that it's a whole different uh, Mediterranean climate so Lydia if you want to go ahead
0: sure thank you very much for having us it's a real pleasure and honor um so as readers may find from the back cover I am an immigrant from Kharkiv, Ukraine. Uh, I've been in Canada for almost 25 years now. Um, and it's hard for me to say you know, what home is, perhaps provocatively. I would like to draw a parallel to Nick Este's book called Our History is the Future. And so if you ask me what my home is, I would say my home is the future. Um, so I have lived in Amiskwichiwa Kahigan for the majority of my time here in Canada, so in Edmonton Treaty 6 Territory, but I feel equally comfortable in Scarborough, Ontario, on the shores of Lake Ontario. Um. As you mentioned, I am a technology librarian and I've been in libraries for about 22 years. So this work in many ways was the giving back to the community and exploration of ideas and kind of materiality of life. Um, and maybe if I return really briefly to Ukraine, um, I've talked about interest in violence and pain, you know, just some cheery subjects, but fascinatingly observing the war in Ukraine from afar and working on this book has also made me think about the environmental destruction and environmental resilience of Ukraine as well. And that's one thing that I would like to learn more after we wrap up this term and, you know, launch the book. So I hope that gives a bit of context to who I am. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so shifting to this book, Land in
1: Libraries, I'm really curious about what brought you to this project and what your initial goals were for it. I don't know which of you wants to start talking
2: about that. Lydia, um,
0: <laughs> I will jump in. Sure. Um, Okay, I've said this story several times, and I will repeat it. I was literally browsing the Loughbridge's Press site, and I thought, "Mm, there's a gap here. There's not a lot written about this topic. And I was like, let's do this. So I drove to Lethbridge and invited Mary to walk along the Oldman River. And I said, do you want to try to do this thing with me? And she said, Yes. Um, So that's kind of the process and how it launched honestly pretty much everything I've done in my life it comes from this idea and I'm like let's take it into action and I was very interested and pleased to work with Library Juice Press because they have been very flexible and curious to just go with it uh, and they responded really quickly so operationally that was amazing. In terms of, I guess, maybe larger goals, I think we both wanted to start a conversation about something not formally explored in practice and honestly in literature as well. I definitely observed a gap, um, at least, you know, in the publications that I saw. And so that felt like a sign that there likely would be an audience Um, And similarly, I think we both wanted to produce a work as practitioners without necessarily a lot of support, even though we were both uh, academic librarians, and I guess we still are, uh, the supports and kind of the structures and really the infrastructure to create a book is not the same. It's not easy because we have so many other responsibilities. And so in some ways it was testing. Can we do this? And like if other people did it, surely we can too. Would you say that's fair, Mary?
2: Absolutely. And I would just add that um, I think the conversation that we had was for me, really inspiring the idea that we would work together because I think that sort of idea of, of relationality and being in relationship with each other and then talking about our relationship with the land and how it, you know, intersects with our chosen career paths. Um, is something that we were both really curious about. And having the support of someone like Lydia through this process, I, I don't think I could have done it on my own. So it was wonderful to team up with a buddy. Absolutely.
1: Um, it's a big project to take on. So uh, you wrote in the introduction to the book that the question of land is largely absent in memory institutions like libraries, archives, and museums. And You've, you've mentioned this absence as well, just in, in your description of where this project came from. So I'm curious, before you started this project, what kinds of conversations had you previously had about land and libraries, or what conversations specifically had you noticed were missing? I can
0: jump in, but I think Mary will uh, have more to say, more thoughtful um, experiences because she has worked with indigenous communities and indigenous librarians a lot more than me. Honestly, I, I think it's fair to say that most of us, whether in public or in academic libraries, have had very, very few conversations about land specifically. In the last, you know, maybe seven years, there's been more lectures, workshops, sessions, librarians being hired, um, talking about, you know, services to Indigenous populations, what we might call underserved populations. Notice the language is very tame, right? We don't use the C word, the colonized. Um, So that in itself is a marker that there's not a lot happening. And when it was happening, I would say in the last, you know, three to four years, my sense it's that it's been only the discourse and the statements about, like primarily land acknowledgments, but not so much materiality or history. I have been in some when I worked at the public library, and certainly here in a U of A library, um, we've had excellent initiatives, but my assessment is that. The kinds of conversations, like literally they're conversations, right? It's just discourse. We have very few examples of any kind of material changes, operational changes for various reasons because we're tied to larger institutions. So that in itself felt uh, both disconnecting and kind of... um, insincere in some ways so I hope that um, that answers it thank you Mary do you have more to add
2: yeah just to pick up on what Lydia is saying I think it's a it's beyond uh, most of my work obviously has been in academic libraries and I think it's beyond just libraries themselves it's just sort of an institutional problem that we like to slap a Land acknowledgement on our emails or on any gathering and call it a day. Um, And as Lydia mentioned, I worked uh, primarily with Indigenous learners and the Indigenous uh, community in Southern Alberta, and I have in other parts of Canada as well. But um, having that sort of interaction and seeing, you know, I think perhaps a lack of deep, meaningful commitment. really has caused me to think I think a little more about the impact that we have in our profession we have big budgets and we have the opportunity to make big impact whether it's through public libraries or through academic libraries Um, but I do want to just mention the first time I think that I ever really heard or thought about it was Um, In 2017, I went to IFLA, and I went to the Indigenous section meeting, and there was a presentation there by Tanya Ball and Kyla Larson, and they talked about land-based librarianship, Um, and they are two Indigenous librarians um, who went to the University of Alberta, and I had heard of land-based education, I'd participated particularly in the North in that sort of model of learning with students, but to, to see this through the eyes of a librarian was quite um, innovative, I think, and uh, something that I, you know, I really hadn't thought about, I don't think, in that way, and how the land could be affected, but it could also offer us some teaching as well. Thank you. And then I guess what
1: this book does is it starts so many different conversations, so many possible directions for conversation to go. So then turning to the chapters, the contributions that are in this book, there's seven chapters, and they look at a really, really wide range of issues related to land. I would love if you could just share some of the major themes that come up from these contributions and thinking of potential readers, what issues are discussed here that folks might be um, interested in, in reading and talking more about. Mary, do you want to start?
2: Sure, yeah. Um, I think, you know, there's this idea overall, especially because both Lydia and I are settlers um, in a in a in canada were and were both settlers when we began this project in canada and now i've settled in italy but i think the idea of settler colonialism um and our impact as librarians on that sort of relationship that identity is one of the the major themes um that we don't have a ton of Indigenous contributions to the book. So it's more from the perspective of settlers considering these ideas and considering our impact as librarians. So we have things like land acknowledgements and resource lists that we often offer as librarians. But this is sort of a deeper dive into some of these ideas around settler colonialism. Um, There's also the idea of sort of connection with the land, particularly, um, there's one piece by Danielle Bitts, it's a very sort of creative, autoethnographic kind of um, discussion about a trip that she took as an indigenous librarian um, on the land. And so that, that piece, um, it takes a very different tack than many of the other ones. I'm going to let Lydia speak now to a couple of the other highlights. Uh, They're all like every chapter is unique. Every chapter is amazing, but they're all very, very different, as you mentioned.
0: Thanks. Yeah, and we knew that a topic like this would be a kickoff. We knew that it would be harder to solicit a range or volume of chapters as compared to something like information literacy or collections, for example. So we we accepted uh, a certain amount of limitations, and that's fine. We will talk about, like, you know, next ideas or iterations a bit later. Um, But nevertheless, you know, I think we tried to organize the chapters according to some kind of logic. And we were really pleased to see that there were some historical analyses, both in terms of practice and maybe a bit more kind of historical perspectives um, One theme that you will find in the themes and structure section of the intro is uh, a critique of this notion of civilization. I don't think libraries are as comfortable saying that, certainly in practice. I think we are still tied to the idea of civilization, even though the term may be problematic or not trendy, but its implications and assumptions are everywhere in all of our endless strategic plans, it seems. I have several on my desk right now. And uh, one theme that stood out for me, and I think Mary and I agree that it's actually quite important, which is why it ties to capitalism and land, is uh, this idea of alienation and yearning for connection and belonging in all its ways. So I think there's that tension pretty much in every chapter about how settling particularly North America and, you know, dispossession of indigenous peoples and the alienation of all the peoples on on that, you know, material land is um is an ongoing process. And yet we all yearn for connection and belonging. So, and some of it we do through writing. So I hope that um, answers your question.
1: Yeah, absolutely, thank you. So aside from all these content themes, I would love to talk about methodology and how we can have conversations about land in libraries and in different ways. What are some of the methodological approaches that authors use in this book to talk about land?
0: Sure, yeah, I think we were very, very pleased with the quite a range of methods that we saw. And to us, that was a good sign that the call reached the right audience, hopefully. Obviously, we would have loved more archival and museums contributions, but it's often hard for us to reach those communities, especially on a topic as you know fairly precise as this one.
2: Yeah. So I maybe just pick up on what Lydia is saying here. We like, we didn't steer people at all. So we got what we got. Um, but it was nice to see some geographic difference. We got some American and Canadian contributions and then quite a wide range in, ter- in terms of sort of disciplinary approaches. So, as I mentioned before, there was sort of an ethnographic piece, some historical pieces and, um, some empirical sort of examination of websites, uh, phenomenological approaches. Um, So I think we have a pretty good academic grab bag of methods and methodologies. Uh, And especially because people came, we had people outside of um, just straight up librarianship as well. So I think that that's helpful to sort of add some diversity. So in the end, I think it, it, wound up being quite um, quite a nice full rounded sort of offering when we did, had no idea what we would get when we started. So I think that we're both fairly pleased with that.
1: Absolutely. And I think that wide range of methodologies like gives readers different ways to connect with it because Librarianship is really broad. We all do really different kinds of work. And so reading a chapter that analyzes collections and thinking I have nothing to do with collections might for a different reader inspire them in their collections work to see how they can do something differently. But, you know, our our first reader might have connected with the autoethnography for more or the historical pieces. So I just found that really, really neat to see all of that in one volume.
0: Um, Agreed. Can I add one more thing? Yeah. I mentioned kind of organizing. I want to give props to Ariel Hahn from California, uh, who also wrote kind of about the future and technology. So I'm really pleased that you highlight that. I My goal in practice and in writing is never to limit it to one kind of librarianship because frankly, I feel like I don't belong anywhere. In other words, these ideas and like the larger... Reflections on what it is we do here as as educators should apply to any kind of practice you do. It's not just about instruction. It's not just about facilities, right, or programming. Uh, I think if we're committed and we care about communities and sort of what it is we do here, these will resonate with all. But at the same time, I'm sure some people will start with one chapter or another based on kind of their their interests. So I hope that there's something for everybody.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. And then you also note in the introduction that you really hope this book will lead to others continuing these conversations about land and libraries. I'm curious what kinds of conversations you'd be really excited to see next um, in any form, you know, in written form, in presentations, in informal dialogue. Uh, what are you hoping this generates? Mary,
2: do you have uh, excitement sure. and ideas? Yeah, no, I, I'm always excited about talking about libraries and land, but I do think what we've both discussed in the context of this um, this particular work is that we're hoping that will go beyond conversation and that there may be some things, material action um, taken based on some of the sort of discussions that go on here. So things like, you know, we talk about land back, but what does that look like in the context of a library, for example? Uh, You know, maybe a little less idealism, a little more action, um, I mentioned land-based education, land-based librarianship earlier. Uh, that's something that's pretty hands-on, boots on the ground, something that would create uh, a little bit of action that's, you know, it's something tangible, I guess. So uh, I'm going to let Lydia speak a little more about some of these material things, but definitely, I think we're looking for some more nuanced and maybe mature
0: Action-based approach to the this particular topic. Exactly. Yeah. To echo Mary, at, at the very least, we can begin talking about land return. Now, granted, in Canada, we have a different context. We do not have the Morill Act, right, and the um, land grant institutions. But I am personally interested, and in sort of my goal to educate myself more, and and hopefully others on the Canadian history of just how much land, um, libraries and universities occupy, municipalities as well. And, uh, you know, if we're talking about conversation, even integrating discussions of like law and history into practice so far, I feel like, you know, anytime you get hired as a librarian, there is no history we exist in the now and that in itself is powerful to be sort of contextualized and drawn in. Um, That discomfort, Uh, our former um, Indigenous liaison at the public library, we often say that like discomfort is good. That means we're learning. And so even that would be a sign that the profession is maturing. So whether it's individual organizations or the profession more broadly. And lastly, yeah, like Mary mentioned, you know, earlier you asked, like, what, what kind of conversations did you have? I was introduced to this work, honestly, through faculty and through like research, not necessarily libraries. And and I, you know, I read Adam Godrey's pieces and I emailed him and had conversations and I said, please take me to the north. I want to skin a moose. i will do anything. Take me. Um Since then, you know, there's so many opportunities and I am well aware just how um, expensive, complex, ethical, uh, you know, contextual, (laughs) specific they are. And on that note, I want to highlight that Mary and I do not believe that land-based education or, you know, learning from elders should be kind of a solutionism or kind of technocratic approach. Um, We want to see initiatives done ethically and without exploitation. So sometimes that means doing nothing. As I teach students about refusing research, there is no one way to do this, Um, but Talking about it thoughtfully and, and having plans and you know piloting operations would be the next step for us. I, I hope that's reflective of what we talked about.
1: So shifting now to the nuts and bolts of making this book, it's a big project. And I really feel like every editorial project is a learning process, no matter what experience we bring to it. What things did you learn as editors while you worked on this? And is there any advice you would share with other people who are undertaking work on a, bro- a book of contributions? Or is there advice you've made note of for your future selves when you undertake similar projects? Lydia, do you want to start?
0: Oh, yes. I am a planner and I have been humbled a lot over this project. So Mary and I joke that, yes, being realistic about timelines is crucial. I remember like I sent off the proposal, it was accepted, I was in a roll, I had this whiteboard in my room, I like wrote it down. I was like, this is going to be great, right? We can bang this out in, you know, a year and a half. And then I think um, the publisher gave us feedback and was a lot more realistic to push things. Mary said, let's build in some time because I definitely have that optimism of achievement. I'm like, nothing's going to stand in our way. (laughs) I I don't remember. I think the pandemic may have started already, but, you know, that's not going to disrupt anything at all. So, yeah, being realistic about timelines is important, Um, as Mary mentioned, and I want to echo that. It's great to have a partner that's why I love to collaborate because they keep me accountable they share the work they make it more fun so I, actually i'm really pleased that mary accepted i i probably would not have done it by myself or if i did i'd be so stressed out it wouldn't be the same so i think we learned a lot together we've met some amazing people working with reviewers i sincerely hope we didn't forget anybody in our acknowledgments so yeah that's been really rewarding and i don't think people really think about it right they focus on like the product or the the you know the editing but there's all the people that can kind of make it happen. Uh, You know, yeah, we had to reject some things and make some tough decisions. And that isn't fun. But that's another part of life. It's, I know, you might call it professional maturity. And that's okay. Like that's, you know, part of any work. Um, you know, I think Mary has been so wise to remind me that life keeps going. <laughs> and as we mentioned, pandemic is not easy. Arguably, we're still in it. So we knew that kind of pushed the timelines. And if anything, I certainly felt, you know, accountable, responsible to the authors. I think it's fair to say Mary did, too. So, you know, we, we, we take this seriously. We have a great... A sense of you know responsibility, primarily to the authors, but then you know the communities or the audiences who are waiting. So, Mary, there's other lessons I'm sure. What would you like to share?
2: Yeah, I I mean I think Lydia has definitely summed it up very well for me in that it's really really important to have a partner, um, and I would add to that. She did mention the reviewers. I think it's important to remember that. The library world is very small, especially in North America, and we have had the good fortune, I mean, I'm a fairly new member of the library uh, community, and I have had the good fortune, and certainly Lydia as well, of meeting so many incredible and knowledgeable people from all over the place through conferencing and publications and things like that, and we called upon a lot of those people for support when we were working on the project and people were willing to provide not only their thoughts or their contributions to the book, but also their insight in reviewing and looking at the work that we'd accepted. Um, And I think that it's really, you know, Librarianship is really about relationships to me, especially as a teaching librarian. I know Lydia does some teaching too. It's about building and maintaining relationships, and uh, we really, really availed ourselves of those relationships. So that's that is my big huge. Uh, take home the other would be as Lydia mentioned we were in a pandemic we both had lots of personal things going on as people do in their lives and I think it's important to be honest and vulnerable you know when you're working with people because there's no sense in pretending um, that things aren't going on for you when they are and if there are two of you or three of you or four of you or however many people are involved it lightens the load a little bit and makes the project that much more accessible thank you
1: so much for sharing all of that um yeah I love those points about like how this is really actually community building work um in in all of its relationality and also that emphasis on transparency and vulnerability uh it's a big project to take on before we wrap up I would really love if you could each share a little bit about what you're working on next, uh, if there's any new projects on your plate that have emerged from this book or any completely different research that you're working on now. Lydia, do you wanna go first?
0: Heck yes, but no, I want Mary to highlight because she's a doctoral student. I wanna amp her up. So share it, Mary, please.
2: Oh, thanks. Yes, I am a doctoral student. As I mentioned, I'm working very slowly uh, sort of maybe more slowly than I want to. And I don't have a whiteboard like Lydia with all the points on it. <laughs> I have many, many different Gantt charts that I've made over the last year and a half. But anyhow, um, I am working on that. I'm, I'm wanting to look at women's uh, experiences working with data science, working in data science. And that's sort of, that's my Coles notes, very, very short elevator pitch about my uh, topic. Yeah, and the other thing most recently that I've done, I guess, would be something that actually started before the pandemic and then was uh, delayed because of the pandemic, uh, but has recently come out is a an article that I did with Dr. Sarah Pokinghorn about feminist love theory and its application in libraries and discussing ways um, in which we can perhaps improve our working conditions and make libraries maybe kinder places in which to work, and that's something I'm fairly proud of. It was a theory that I had been reading about and then that we discussed and thought, hey, this has never been applied to libraries, and it's an interesting project to uh, think about how it would look in a library context. So that's my other major project, I guess, most recently recently and in addition to that i've done things uh you know gone to conferences and presented here and there a little bit on my doctoral work and also on feminist love theory
1: so, thanks
2: mary
0: and mary you and i wrote a jaclist paper on assemblage and feminist c- we did i capitalism. wanted to leave that for you uh, I wanted to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean we're, we're gonna mention it yeah we we've collaborated through the you know through the work also um so yes uh hopefully that paper comes out um you know it's been slow because poor editor is very very overworked but yeah that was really rewarding for us to experiment with methods ourselves so that's fun um should i should i blab a little bit about (laughs) academic activities go for it yeah please sure Sure. Um. So I kind of mentioned that I have been teaching and so I am teaching at two institutions and I consider that, you know, academic work and growth work <laughs> for a, a librarian and a practitioner. It's It's a lot of work and it's sometimes overwhelming, but it's very rewarding and very interesting. Uh, I've worked on some labor papers, primarily for the Canadian Journal of Academic Librarianship. feels like everything I write returns to labor. It's quite important to me. But the thing I am most excited about, and I should dedicate more time to, given all my other responsibilities, is a project that I'm calling Two Land, Too Furious, which is kind of the extension and the building on this collection about which we're talking about um, and primarily what I'm focusing on and I applied for a small internal grant here at U of A and I was successful and I have a research assistant working with me, which is again, super rewarding, really interesting um, is so the project seeks to zero in a little bit more on the Canadian context of how settler colonialism and capitalism have been co-constitutive in academic institutions, essentially universities as sort of parent institutions to libraries, and essentially that connection to epistemology. I It took me a while to realize that I think fundamentally what I'm drawn to is this notion of epistemology, and I don't think we actually go that there in library work, and yet it's what it is, right? That's, you know, we're about learning and information and knowledge. So I know that it'll be a longer project, but I think, you know, the Landon Libraries collection began um, with introducing some of the concepts and the tools and the people and the thinkers and, and this particular project that I'm talking about is a little bit of deeper um, and more specific investigation into the Canadian context. Arguably, we have so much American context, which is important, but my goal is to, um, I guess, continue in that vein and, and give something back to the Canadian community.
1: Super. Thank you so much. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to add?
0: Sure. Thank you very much. I think it's important for us to mention that the most rewarding outcome of this project of Land and Libraries is the updated version of this book, meaning the things that will come after it. We knew and we talked about with Sarah Pokenhorn and with others, other of our friends, that this is just a start. And that's exciting and humbling so we hope that people build on ideas uh, that are explored here and mary what would you say this work it's not about us right
2: no absolutely not and i and i hope that that's been clear when i'm talking about relationships and certainly i hope that we can center the fact that you know yes we're like we helped this book to come together but the contributions from the people who have written it and the people who in the future will engage with it and will have discussions about this um, is really that's really what the goal is for us and and that's really the most important I think thing that we perhaps have learned and are looking forward to learning more about um, by hearing from other scholars on this topic fantastic
1: Thank you both so much. Uh, Once again, I've been speaking today with Lydia Zaginseva and Mary Greenshields, the editors of Land in Libraries, Toward a Materialist Conception of Education. My name is Jen Hoyer, and you're listening to New Books Network.